this is Sylvester McCoy. Uh, you're listening to Who Made Who and uh, Me Made Me. And uh, my mother and father did the same. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. So what's that? I've encountered it before. They kill. It's going to kill us all, isn't it? I'm trying to imagine the answer to the question. I can't quite see the solution. Of Who Made Who, Cinema Geekly's Doctor Who podcast. It is Anthony Lewis and Ben Knight back talking more Doctor Who Series 11. It's episode 5, The Saranga Conundrum. And uh, we've at least we found out what Saranga was. I, I was. I was a little worried that this was just a weird episode title, but uh, yeah. it wasn't. Uh, the Saranga is the, the name of the ship that uh, they spend the majority of this episode on. Uh, let's talk about what happened. There are some mixed feelings about this episode, I guess. Everywhere I read, uh, they had the kind of the opposite opinion of me, whereas in I did not like last week's episode, mm. and a lot of people seemed to really like it. I liked this week's episode, whereas a lot of people seemed to not. I'm, I think I'm on your side on this, actually, yeah. It'll be interesting to, to talk about it, because it's not like some of these people, uh, the, the points are not without merit. But first, mm. let's talk about what happened in the episode. So, while scavenging on an alien junkyard planet, the Doctor and Team TARDIS are caught in a sonic mine detonation. They wake up aboard the Saranga spaceship, traveling to a medical space station. The Doctor meets its patients... Eve, who is a renowned general and pilot, her brother Dirkus, and Eve's robot friend, android Ronan. Uh, and also they meet Yoss, a pregnant man. No, they're, they're flipping the tables, Ben. They are. Uh, the tables have turned. The doctor and head nurse, Astos, gain access to the ship's systems and notice an alien entity heading for the ship. Astos becomes trapped in a pod and dies when the pod is jettisoned and explodes, as pods tend to do. Mably, who is Astos's colleague, tells the doctor that the entity that caused all of this damage, a pating. Also, probably something that will be coming to your uh, the, your Christmas tree skirts uh, soon. Oh, yes. In plush form. Uh, yeah. A it's a creature that eats any non-organic material. While Yaz and Ronan defend the ship's antimatter power source uh, from the Pating, Ryan and Graham help Yas as he enters labor. Eve, 
who has a critical heart condition, sacrifices herself to try to pilot the ship through a dangerous asteroid field that would get them to the space station quicker. The Doctor finds the bomb that is attached to the ship's power source. Uh, you see, because this is something that is not mentioned in here, but the space station has detected the uh, the pating aboard the ship, and if... Uh, something is not done about it, they are going to detonate it. Because obviously they don't want this thing getting to the space station. Uh, of course, the Doctor doesn't want to die. She finds the uh, the explosive, removes it, and it, of course tricks the Pating into eating it, ensuring that the energy of the blast both feeds the creature, but also gives them a chance to jettison it back into space. The Serenga safely arrives at the space station, and the group honors the death of Eve, who of course saved their life. Uh, what did you think of this week's episode, Ben? I thought it was a bit of a return to form. I, I agree. Um, there seems to be, uh, well, the two things, are, I mean, let's go for the obvious thing, first of all. So the, the, all of the female cast in, or characters rather in this, uh, were the lead roles, mm-hmm. uh, with all of the male characters being, um, the B uh, plot, yeah, the B plot, and of course, the the ultimate B plot being uh, the, the the pregnant male mm-hmm. um, uh, played a, by uh, Jack Shelley. Yeah, there's um, a pregnancy. What happens? Like, yeah, we uh, the, actually the first thing that came to my mind was the episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation when Keiko was going into yeah. uh, labor and Worf had to deliver the baby. Yeah. One of those funny uh, juxtapositions. Imagine if this happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, I'm glad they actually dealt with the method of birth as well, because I was beginning to wonder as we approached that part of the story. <laughs> yeah. Um, C-section is out cesareans the way forward. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, so there's that. I think the strength of this episode, it wasn't badly written. Uh, I am allergic to um, CG uh, cute little monsters, even if they are um, as unlikable as this one was. Uh, but this, yeah, do you know what? Whatever. I quite like the the blissed out. Uh, let's be honest, office office tits high version of the little alien uh, after he was jettisoned from the ship. That, I found that entertaining. Yes. Um, but you know, I, I actually don't think. I'm not sure how important it was to see the alien in this. I think that's again maybe a nod to the return to it being a children's show. Mm. Um, but I think they managed to build the tension in this episode, which could easily have not have happened. Um, surprisingly well, but I think that's because of the strength of the um, supporting cast. So, uh, interestingly, quite a few of them pulled from soap operas, which, if you were listening last week, is interesting because this episode was uh, directed by uh, and co-written by people who, in British television, are responsible for uh, some pretty low-rent soap opera television. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Suzanne Packer, uh, she's the actress who played Eve Cicero, she, um, you know, she's something of a, a grand dame of uh, British soap operas. Uh, Casualty, Brookside, uh, again, means more to the to the British viewers, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. um, but she has recently stepped up a game. She was in Keeping Faith, which I think made its way to the US, uh, and a couple of other shows. And her performance was good. But yeah. the surprise for me a little bit was Ben Bailey Smith. He played uh, Dirkus. Oh, now, the brother, he, yes. Yeah, Ben Bailey Smith. Uh, if other people maybe shouting, going, it wasn't him. It was Doc Brown. It's the same guy. Doc Brown's his um, more common stage name. Um, he 
he's a very funny guy. Uh, you'll, you'll know him from all sorts of stuff. Uh, he's done stuff with, um, of course, a spin-off of The Office called uh, David Brent Life on the Road, I think it was, mm. uh, Taskmaster and shows like that. Um, but, of course, other people who uh, will recognize his face from other stuff will include those who realize that he is Bradley Walsh's character's partner in Law & Order UK. Um <laughs> I don't know if he's his partner or colleague, I suppose. Uh, and actually, I thought he was quite strong in this. The one disappointment, they, they have this thing so far in the season of, of killing off early the the better actors. So Brett Goldstein played Astos. Yes. Um, not only was he fit, but that's by the way. Um, <laughs> they killed him off really. And he he I thought he was really very good. Um, uh, me too, yeah. Uh, he has links to the Hooniverse, I suppose, only in the most tenuous ways, in the sense that on the live tours of Catherine Tate's uh, comedy show, mm. uh, he was effectively sort of her foil in most of that. So, um, and forgive me, I cannot remember, other than the fact, I know her name's Lois something, but I can't remember the one who played uh, Mabley, but um, her and David Shields uh, obviously didn't have much to do. Uh, David Shields, if you recognised his voice, by the way, but didn't recognise his face, it's because you probably listened to the Torchwood Big Finish audio books. He's uh, um, popped up a, th- a few times, I think, in there. Uh, but also he was in The Crown on Netflix, if you were trying to place him. Um, yeah, I just thought for a supporting cast, um, I-, I thought I thought it was... I think that that's where the, the strength of this episode came from. Mm-hmm. It did have an after-school special element to it, but then that seems to be part of the course for this season of, uh, of Doctor Who, but it was played at the right level. So this was more about... Uh, there was obviously a sort of gender-related message in there, but there was also uh, you know, a sort of living up to your potential type thing. I don't know how you want to characterize it. There were there were elements of that, but it didn't feel like that was the driving point of, of the episode. Yeah. Um the only thing I will say about this is the budget seems to have been very haphazardly spent. There were some scenes that looked incredible. Mm-hmm. And then others where it really was a kind of flashback to nineteen seventies Doctor Who with how ropey some of the sets looked and <laughs> and so on. Um yeah. I thought that was rather odd. Uh and of course, this is the episode that's featured probably the biggest um, Easter egg linking us back to, to to the rest of the universe in the sense that, of course, the scene when they're flicking through the computer trying to identify their uh, nemesis for the episode. Uh, if you were very eagle-eyed, you will have seen that on the little display of bad guys, we had Cybermen, we had um, Slovene, we basically had everything except Daleks keeping hmm. to Chippel's promise that thou shalt not see a Dalek in um, this season of Doctor Who. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was solid. The writing was far more even, I thought, in this episode. There were no scenes that looked like someone had done a last-minute rewrite and not really given it much thought. The biggest disappointment of the episode for me uh, was that there was a lot of potential in David Shield's character, Ronan, the, the android. Yeah. Um, and I... I I suppose I'm glad they didn't do the obvious trope, which is the android is evil, uh, yeah. or the android is somehow. Dist- I mean, I presume there may have been a thought about going full alien with it, and you know, given that he's inorganic, I was waiting for him to get eaten by the by the alien, but of course he didn't. No, um, which I suppose is a good thing because otherwise that really would have been it would have been a little bit too xenomorph replaced with crazy frog, as I think the Radio Times put it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it turns uh, out he was just you... a nice robot, uh, ultimately. Yeah. yeah, which is good, so that you know they avoided the obvious lazy trope. 
I, I I thought it was a strong episode, and I, I like the fact that it it didn't try to be too worthy. It didn't do too much after school special. But interestingly, a lot of the criticism of this episode seems to be, you know, people are using euphemisms. They're saying, oh, it had none of the intensity of the Rosa episode. It had, you know, it, it, people are basically it's a little bit kind of virtue signally some of the reviewing I've seen, hmm. um, which, uh, well people write what they want to write but sure uh, i i enjoyed it and it, it gave me the first flash of seeing what i think jodie whittaker probably is going to ultimately be like as the doctor mm-hmm. and that's important for me because i think we said last week that if we don't start seeing something more in her portrayal of the doctor soon then i could see this actually failing and this week i saw far far more scenes where she was believable um, there were still a few a little bit too panto, a little bit overdone scenes with her, but they're becoming fewer and farther between and I'm pleased to yeah. see that I think by the end of this series we will finally hit a point where J.D. Whittaker inhabits the Doctor and I'm looking forward to that, this was a good signpost for it. What about you? Uh, so, most of the criticism of this episode that I've seen was really just about uh I I guess I just disagreed with it because I'm I don't think they're wrong, but I'm at a point where I've kind of accepted this as part of a show that is as long running and has as many episodes as this does, and as somebody who's watched a lot of other sci-fi, ultimately there's kind of only so much you can do. But a lot of the criticism was like, you know, gosh, it's another base siege episode where mm-hmm. they're in one location and it's under siege and they've got to, you know, tech talk their way, do a thing, tech the tech, as some uh, some other people <laughs> might say, uh, and, you know, survive the, the siege in some form or fashion. And Doctor Who has done this a lot, but so have a lot of other shows. It's just gotten to a point where, uh, at least when I saw this, I'm like, eh, this feels more like the warm blanket of Doctor Who than I like than I got last week. Uh, I mean, yes, it's basically a base siege episode with uh, a 2018 adipose. Uh, I get that. Uh, I mean, you know that there's somebody who's like, hey, remember when we sold all those adipose plushies? And boy, you guys remember all those porgs that they've oh, been selling over at Star Wars? You cynic. You awful yeah. cynic. I'm sure they're like, let's make something small and cute that eats everything in sight and people want to buy it. And you know, they're not wrong. Like I saw it and I'm like, that thing is adorable. I'm sure it's going to sell a lot of toys. Uh, yeah. And, but I also liked it. I, I think there's something adorable about a, like a force of nature threat that is also unassuming when you look at it. Uh, like it looks kind of cute, but it will eat everything around you and you will die. Not because it's malicious or because it uh, it's evil or anything like that. It's just doing what it knows, you know, to do. Uh, other than that, uh, I agree with what you said. I, I thought the performances from the supporting cast for this episode really helped make the episode. Uh, again, you're completely correct with the your point about Astos. I thought like, this is going to be really interesting. I liked the chemistry between him and the doctor. Uh, I mean, for as short long as it lived, obviously, but, uh, you know, this is, I don't know why it ends up being like this, but you know, they did, they, uh, they shipped him off 
uh, pretty early. There's not a ton to really talk about. There, I mean, there is obviously the whole she made a really big deal about uh, leaving her TARDIS back on that planet, and of course that's never touched on again. Like, it's a really big deal at first. She's going crazy about needing to hijack this ship and turn it around and take it back to the TARDIS. She can't leave the TARDIS there, and by the end of the episode... TARDIS? What's a TARDIS? Who gives a shit about a TARDIS? Well, it's never brought yeah. up again. Well, it's not. Well, it, it, it is very briefly later on, but I, I think I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that because the whole point of of her degree of obsession yeah. um, was so that uh, Astos could basically turn around to even the Doctor and say, no, yeah. you're being selfish. This is not yep. about you. Yep. Um, and that was a good and, moment. You're right. It really was. I, I enjoyed that. And actually, I think that might be a, something of a credit to, to Brett Goldstein, that it, it would be very easy to turn that scene into something else. And it wasn't. It was calm and rational and yeah. um, and reasoned. I, I actually thought that was one of its better dramatic moments. But it, it does leave the question as to whether the next episode is going to be a, you know, let's hit the reset button and, oh, look, she got a TARDIS back, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. Or whether there's going to be something more to it. Uh, some of the other criticism... Uh, levied on this episode is that uh, it feels like there's a lot of people who don't like this current um, setup for the cast. Uh, they feel like they are. Uh, I, I guess it, the criticism hangs around. A lot of people are feeling like they're halfway through the season and they feel like they don't know this doctor mm. at all. And. Mm. I I agree to a degree. I mean, we talked about this already with introducing three uh, travelers along with her, and they have to introduce and uh, acclimate you to all of these new characters at once. They're trying to do, and again, this episode is another example of something where they're trying to do something that I thought would be a detriment to the show, which is they're trying to give everybody something, and. As a result, I feel like I, outside of Graham, who feels like the most, I feel like I know the most about Graham. Mm. And even then, I don't know that much about him, but I feel like I know him the most from everybody. It kind of feels like I don't really know anybody all that well. I feel like I'm beginning to get an insight a little bit into Yasmin. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're not really giving everyone else a lot to do but that's because they are you know sort of spreading it all a bit thin on the ground and yes one thing i suppose you could say for that is they could take the sort of conventional route of introducing characters getting you really invested in them so quickly that when they kill them off early doors you know that's the thing Mm -hmm. as opposed to i get the feeling that what they might be trying to suggest through the way they're doing this is that people are in this for the longer run um uh, and yeah. I suppose it could be indicative of that. I kind of hope that it is. I feel like uh, it's... Uh, and, and that may be true, uh, that we could be in for a longer haul with these characters. And that's fine if we are. Uh, I I think uh, in the past it's just helped. <coughs> uh, I mean, if you've... Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't even take that much remembering that a lot of the transitions they've done, uh, the Doctor's really only had one true companion. He's had a couple of people who would kind of jump in and out uh, mm. every now and again. Uh, even the stuff they did with Amy and Rory, Rory wasn't always a companion. Like he would 
come in for chunks and then uh, other times he wouldn't be there, things like that. Mm. But most of the time when you're switching from a doctor to another doctor, there's been a lot of companion holdovers. So we don't have to also get used to a new companion or introduce a new character there. We're just sort of introducing a new doctor, and then that doctor will pick up a new companion. But we're already familiar with that doctor, so they can focus some time on, you know, giving us some more about the new companion. But here, not only are they giving us a new doctor and a new companion, they're giving us three new companions (laughs) with a doctor. So they have to introduce and teach you about all of these characters in a shortened season because you know, that's how it's done nowadays. And well, that's kind of how it's always been done in the UK, but in TV in general. And yeah. did f- like halfway through the season, and I feel like I'm just now starting to get the inklings a little bit. But And it sounds like a daft thing to say, but they also haven't introduced us properly to the, if you will, the character of the new TARDIS, because one thing that all of the writers have done, mm-hmm. actually even pre-2005, is, is suggest that the TARDIS's um, mentality. Yeah, and it does yeah. switch. Yeah, it's temperament. It does switch over time. And I, I think they may have deliberately kept the TARDIS at arm's length a bit because they may be aware that they're slightly, um, uh, cut to use a Northern English expression, somewhat over-facing us with, uh, uh, with, with sort of... Um, I've lost the ability to speak uh, with introductions to things and people. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, he was, uh, Chris, why Chris Jivnall was very keen to avoid um, River Song and, um, well, really bumping into any of the, the sort of regular appearers, including Daleks, even. Yeah. Because I think we, it's better to see how the Doctor deals with things you know about when you've got some investment in the Doctor, and I think mm-hmm. it's quite a smart move. I'm beginning to see his logic. It makes more sense to get to understand this Doctor and then say, right, how is this Doctor going to cope with River Song? How is this Doctor going to cope with the Daleks, how, you know, yes. or with the Master or whatever? So I, 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 I think maybe when you're five episodes in, you should have a slightly better insight into the, the regular uh, characters. But I think... You know, it's gently, gently at the minute, and mm-hmm. the focus is. Do you think there's a deliberate decision to take the focus away from the Doctor to avoid that jarring too heavily? Because I mean, one of the criticisms up to well, certainly episodes one to four has been that the Doctor. I mean, as I was saying the other week, Alex was saying this about it. The Doctor seems to be an, a sort of tertiary adjunct to the story. Yes. Um, yes. You know, it's, it's Temple of Doom agree. sort of territory. Um, I wonder if that's to avoid too much focus being on the Doctor given that we've had this, you know, as you know the the um, series ending mm-hmm. uh, uh, miscasting of a woman as the Doctor mm, yes. um, <laughs> um, I don't know, either that or it's you know, just... I'm not sure it through. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure the I, on the on the other hand in a lot of ways, this show up until this point, while I have liked some episodes and disliked uh, others to varying degrees. Halfway through, it still feels pretty listless. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure where any of this is going, or if it has. Uh, I mean, at, at this point, I understood, and, and actually, at first, when they had announced, like, there's going to be no classic or past Doctor Who villains in this season. I was excited because yeah. I'm like, all right, well, we're gonna try something new. Let's. 
uh, let's create some some new villains. But that's really not what they've done. They've sort of just done the Quantum thing... Quantum Leap and a Crazy Frog, yeah. Yeah, well, they've just done what they've done in all past iterations of Doctor Who when there's not a Dalek episode or a Cybermen episode or a Weeping Angels episode. They've just done your Monster of the Week and then it is disposed of at the end of the episode. I thought maybe we we're going to be introducing some new long-standing villains or something like that to freshen up mm. the palette a little bit, but they haven't. And kind of at this point, I don't think I'd mind seeing an episode with a Cybermen or anything like that, just to give me some sort of connective tissue to the rest of Doctor Who, because like I said, otherwise... You're the craving show... familiarity, then. Yeah, it's sort of... Because right now, this show feels like it's sort of just existing. And, I think that's fair, actually, yeah. Uh, and it's doing okay in its existence, but, and you know, it's 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 weird. Obviously, in many ways, this is very much Doctor Who, but it also feels like Doctor Who that's just on a treadmill. Uh, it's walking, but it's not really going anywhere. And yeah, I mean, Graham and Ryan is the only story arc so far in in the yeah, series. Yeah, I'm and, and I'm totally curious to see if anything resolves from that. Yeah, uh, if uh, you know, and I'm sure it'll come up again at some point. Hopefully, uh, in a you know, in a way that makes uh, everything uh, flesh out or feel good. But you know, we'll see. Uh, but at least that's at least that's there. But er, yeah, everything else sort of feels like it's just tumbling around. Do you think we're setting up, incidentally, for Graham and Ryan that Graham at some point has to die in order for Ryan to survive in a scenario? Mm, perhaps. I mean, perhaps. I mean, Seems that makes likely to me because I mean, then he gets to be with um, Grace. Grace, yeah. Well, metaphorically, anyway. Or indeed. I mean, or or not. I guess if you believe in such things, but. Uh, <laughs> But no, I mean no, that makes sense. And then there's obviously the whole you can't really uh you know, you don't really know if you can make it on your own until your parents or your guardians are gone or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You can't surpass them until they've they've gone and then you're really truly left on your own, that sort of thing. The uh, hope will prevail. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so we'll see. There's definitely stuff there. Uh speaking specifically about this episode, uh I actually liked most of the the pregnancy stuff. Uh, oh, it was I a great B plot. Yeah, I thought that was a really fun B plot. And uh, they had a, and of course, like uh, Ryan, who thought it was very weird at first, <coughs> kind of came around at the end and was like, he was there for Yas. He was very supportive, and because he, this Yas guy was also like, he got pregnant accidentally. He's planning on giving the baby up. He doesn't know, you know, he doesn't think he'd be a good father uh that sort of thing and obviously ryan has some unexplored fathership issues obviously being raised by his grandparents and he seemed more uh obviously because graham is sort of not related to him by blood he mm. doesn't feel there I, I mean obviously I, I presume the relationship will grow but they're still kind of like he still won't give him the the fist bump. I'm sure we'll get it eventually well, because he's a step parent who hadn't entirely settled into that role at the time that mum disappears. So all that's linking right. them is 
yeah, right. it, it may feel tenuous, and I guess it could go either way, which is but, why I suspect if there is an art, though, we know how it's going to end. Right. But at the end, Ryan, of course, is being, you know, telling him that you're, you know, you're going to be a great father. Uh, he's being very supportive of him. I, I like that. I liked, uh, I really like the thing at the end where they did the, uh, the doctor gave that speech uh, when they honored mm. uh, Eve's sacrifice. I really liked all that. That felt very Doctor Who to me. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, in a lot of ways, like I said, this this episode felt very much like Doctor Who, and maybe what I really needed was just for them to get into space. Like Doctor yeah. Who always works for me better when they're on an alien planet or on an alien spaceship. For me, it always just worked better mm-hmm. that way. Like I, I, I imagine. I don't upset you, but next week is not going to thrill you then. <laughs> and it does not look like a thrilling episode, but that doesn't <clears> mean <throat> it won't be good. Obviously, uh, I'm keeping an open mind about all of that. But they have spent a lot of time not in space, uh, for sure. But that's okay. It looks like next week's episode, I mean, I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but it looks like next week's episode might be Yaz-centric. And they have not really done a completely one companion-centric episode yet. And I don't know how they could really ham-fist Ryan and Graham into this, I mean, they'll be there, obviously, and they'll be involved in some way. But I can't imagine well, how they get ham fisted. British and older generation. Um, oh, I can see how they might find some way of doing that because <laughs> if they, well, if they are carrying on the after-school special thing, mm-hmm. um, even as uh, a modern man as Graham is, um, I suspect there will be an issue in terms of something he says or does. Actually, mm, that that will yes. be a real test as to how ham fisted they are about this. Actually, yeah. But it does feel like it'll be very Yaz-centric, which I hope. Yeah. Uh, that's to me that would be a to me that would be a good thing. Uh, and like I said, I I can't imagine. I I've watched some of the original Doctor Who when mm-hmm. it was more meant as a children's educational show, and I definitely would not have hung on as a fan of that show. Maybe as a child. Maybe as a child I would have. We, we didn't know then. Uh, well, that's it, but don't forget, it, yeah, that was a kid's show. It wasn't even particularly educational. It yeah. was a it was a kid's show that had a really, really low budget. It sure um, did. Like five But, you know, I, I was hooked bucks. when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did the job at the time. Absolutely did. Uh, I'm just, yeah, for me, what for me, what's appealing is the, and I'm I'm first and foremost a Star Trek guy. So the the closer you can get me to Star Trek in a sci-fi show, the happier <laughs> I am, and that's when Doctor Who has me uh, at my happiest is when they're not on Earth. Uh, this season has spent a lot of time on Earth, uh, mm. and some of it kind of blandly as well. So mm, that's true. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. The next week's episode, despite it looking kind of bland, won't be. I'm hoping. And maybe, you know, maybe just as lots of planets have a north and apparently a Scotland this week. Um, oh my goodness, yes. The alien nurse from a planet that has a place with an exact Scottish accent. It's tremendous then, how that always ends up happening like that. Isn't in it? In science um, fiction in general, yeah. Maybe lots of planets have a Punjab as well. I mean, I <laughs> perhaps. Know. It's maybe. possible. Maybe it's really not Earth. Maybe it's a... Uh, holodeck. Yeah, maybe it's a holodeck. Um, um, 
that should that should please you if it is. Uh, you were talking incidentally about uh, the Pating and you know just in time for Christmas. I had, I've had a bit of a search, mm. and eBay. Uh, I sent you a link. Pating Doctor Who inspired soft toy hand crochet knitting. This it feels like the Etsy game. That was um, fast. Yeah, uh, hand crocheted Pating soft toy from Doctor Who measures eighteen centimeters tall. Good lord, that's tiny. Uh, new wool and safety stuffing. Now I hope you haven't clicked on it yet, but um, I did. In fact, yeah. click on it. I apologize. Oh, well, I was going to say, how much would you? Let's play the Etsy game with this one item. How much would you be willing to pay for an eighteen centimeter, um, which is, let's see, very uh, tiny. Yeah, that's that's pretty small. So fifteen centimeters is six inches to give you an idea. Um, half a foot. Or yeah. About half. Yeah, thereabouts. Um, in pink uh, wool, by the looks of it. Which is with... not the color of the patina. It was more of a gray. So how much would you pay for that? I'll tell you what, I wouldn't pay the price they're asking for it. Yeah, they're... Uh... fourteen They're asking which is 14 euros 95... Or £14.95. No Bear with me. Uh, I shall tell you to US dollars... Uh, $19.40. So Definitely would not pay that much. Hell to the new. That's extraordinary. So forget you, eBay seller, whose name I haven't found. However. Mods uh, of 64. Mods of 64. You know what, though? Kudos to them for jumping on this, because there's no way they're going to make these patines probably in time for Christmas, I would imagine. But you never know. Maybe maybe they're working hard on it, but I, I doubt it. There's no product news anywhere that I can find online uh, about it. Mods of 64, you sell some random stuff, just FYI. <laughs> uh, there is some strange shit in here. Uh, there is a Bow Truckle uh, Picket Fantastic Beast Hand Crochet Toy. They wow. say that's okay. only £3.95, which I feel is more realistic. Sure, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, There's well, some really cool Gruffalo stuff as well. Sorry, I've, I've now started looking at well, the random well, stuff on the internet. Well, Ben is shopping for mm. uh, his friends this year. Uh, I'm going to let you know about some other shopping that you can do with Adam Tickets, our sponsors. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Tickets or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page. Pick yourself up some movie tickets or gift card because the that gifting is the, season. That is the best segue to the ad you've ever done on the show. Thank you. Well done. I appreciate it. Uh, it's about as good as it's going to get as well. <laughs> From here on out, it's it's all back downhill again, sliding back into the garbage. If we ever get to the point where you just do, you know, the whole stop the podcast type of ad insertion, that's mm-hmm. that's when you know you've just given up. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We forgot to do the sponsor, which, by the way, has happened many times on podcasts. <laughs> we'll be just about done and it'll be like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. We forgot to thank the sponsor. Uh, so, yeah, I try to try to squeeze it in there as best I can and uh, this one just fell into my lap with Ben being so interested in this uh, this eBay page I think. in this crochet collection yeah. I mean there is if you're a fan of the Gruffalo which I don't even know if that is on in the States but if you're a fan of the Gruffalo then go check out uh, Mods of 64's eBay page for some occasionally weirdly overpriced crochet great Gruffalo needs mm. uh Okay, so any final thoughts on the Saranga Conundrum, Ben? And uh, what would you give this week's episode? I think, um, despite some of the flaws, despite various other bits, I think this is worth just, it just scrapes a four for me. 
mm-hmm. um, because I liked the overall feel of it, much in the way you were saying. Um, and a lot of that point comes from the supporting cast and from the fact that we started to get a bit of Jodie Whittaker's actual Doctor rather than um, yeah. the, the Pante version. Uh, I was just behind you at three and three quarters. I mm. like this episode quite a bit more than last week's episode. Uh, I I am curious. Uh, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I've long since forgotten uh, what the a what the AI is the AI rating audience. Oh, we did audience appreciation index. So how how does this work? Because this... so it's a score out of one hundred. Um, it is. Uh, done by the Broadcasters Audience Research Board, is that if that's what Barb stands for, I think, mm-hmm. um, or, or it, I think it, they or it came after that, or so, whatever it is. Anyway, it's basically the replacement for that. So um, the method is that they have uh, it's a couple of thousand people, I think. Uh, it might be, I think it's twenty thousand actually now. Sorry, it used to be two thousand, it's now twenty thousand, mm-hmm. um, and they it's basically just surveying. Uh, from one asking, to ten, asking you what you thought out of this episode on a one to one hundred scale, essentially. Uh, yeah, basically. So this episode, the lowest rated of the season in that regard, a seventy nine. Mm. The highest, of course, being an eighty three this year, uh, and most of the episodes have been eighty threes, including Arachnids in the UK, which I just disagree with, but. Well, no, I don't just. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I I feel like this that that one should have been higher. I I like this episode a bit more. Uh, in fact, uh, more than a bit more than last week's episode. Uh, okay, so uh, that's a wrap for this week's episode. You can head on over to the website and check out the archives of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Just search for Who Made Who. And hit subscribe. Of course, we're on all the social medias as well uh, at Cinema Geekly, and uh, that's a wrap for uh, for Ben Knight, and myself, Anthony Lewis. We'll be back next week talking more Doctor Who series eleven, episode six, Demons of the Punjab.